0: Amen, thank you brother Charles. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. We find this verse in the middle of Psalm 37 which as you will see there under the psalm it is part of the the inspired title of this psalm is that it is a psalm of David. Now what we have here in essence in Psalm 37 is a biographical look back at the life of David and so David is looking back Over his life, and he has some observations, some things he wants you and I to see and to know. Now, how many of us know that uh, just from David and what we know of him, we can learn a lot from this man? We can learn a lot from this man of God. Because you see, David was a man who understood what it meant to be close to God, David was a man who understood what it meant to walk close with God and and to, to know how precious that was. Psalm 23, verse number one, David said, Psalm 23, one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David here says, I know God is my shepherd, and because God is my shepherd, I lack for nothing, I shall not want. David was a man who understood what it meant to be close to God. David was a man who understood what it meant to sin and to fall away from God. He understood what it meant to repent. And to return to God, Psalm 51, beginning in verse number 1. There David wrote, Psalm 51, verse, beginning in verse number 1, if we could, David. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. By the way, that's good for us to do as well. We like to pass over our sin, but we need to confess our sin, agree with God about our sin, repent of our sin, and He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And David here understood what it meant to fall to sin, to fall away from God, to repent and return. David understood what it meant to fight, to struggle. To hurt in life. We see from the time of his anointing uh, by by Samuel to the time of his reign. For 15 years, basically, David uh, suffered. and, And for much of it was a wanted man on the run from Saul, on the run from others. There was a point in David's life where even his own men turned against him. So, 1 Samuel 30, beginning in verse number 6, we see this. David was greatly distressed for the people. These are David's people. Spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. You know, David was a man who had seen a lot, who had been through a lot, who had done a lot. As David looked back on his life, David recognized that there is no better life than the Christian life. You look at the end of this psalm as David brings this to a conclusion. Psalm 37, beginning in verse 37, the last several verses of this psalm. David said, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. Verse 38. The Bible says, with the transgressor shall be destroyed together, the, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. You know, Psalm 37 is a beautiful Psalm, and really the whole thing is worthy of our study and our meditation. But this evening, I want to look really at what I think is really the climax of this psalm, which is verse number 23. And there the Bible says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Church, what a blessed promise. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in in his way, What a powerful verse to commit to memory. Young people, those of you who are in grade school right now, this is a good verse to memorize. That the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You might only be eight years old, but here's the thing. If you walk with God every day, the man or woman who walks with God will always reach his destination. You are never too young to walk with God. You are never too young to seek the path that he has for you. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Hey, used to be young people, that's a good verse for us to commit to memory too. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Church, we need the Lord, don't we? This world's not going to get any better. Our adversary's not going to go away. This life's not going to get any easier. You know what? That's okay because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Tonight I want to look at this verse and understand what it means that the steps of a good man are indeed ordered by the Lord. Look with me at this verse and let's read it in unison together. The Bible says this, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Roman numeral one tonight, you already got it. Uh, We re-released it early, pre-release. Roman numeral one, what do we see about this verse? We see guidance. We see guidance steps. The steps of a good man. What does it mean that the steps of a good man well steps it has the idea of one's paths or one's goings we see the same hebrew word used in proverbs 20 in verse number 24 where there we see man's goings are of the lord how can a man then understand his own way uh, and so we see that literally the steps or the goings of a good man are ordered by the lord so when we think about our steps and we think about our goings we really ought to think holistically meaning from beginning to end God's got this thing He, he knows where He is taking us He knows our path He, he has the process in place That God is guiding me in this step, and this step will lead me to the next. And then God will guide me in this step, and this step will lead me to the next. And so think of it in like that holistic, from beginning to end, the goings of a man are ordered by the Lord. So it is our path. It is our process. Let me give you another thought. It's not just the path and the process but it's also the pacing the pacing you, you can almost think of it like a cadence of a march George Mueller he was the, uh, the one in England who ran all those orphanages and saw miraculous answers to prayer He's when he was commenting on this verse he made the quote he made the statement not only the steps are ordered by the Lord not only the steps sometimes the stops of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord now I like that one a lot less But isn't it true? It's not just our path and it's not just the process, but it's also the pacing. Sometimes God brings us to the place where he simply would have us to be still and know that he is God. Sometimes God brings us to the place where we have to wait on him. Now those aren't my favorite times, but those are indeed divine leadings. Our path, Our process, even our pacing, is given to us of the Lord. and He gives us guidance. Now, when it comes to God's guidance in our lives, typically in our human reasoning, we lean towards one of two errors. First is the fatalistic idea of micromanagement. Well, if the the goings of the Lord, uh, uh, the goings of a good man are ordered by the Lord, then what choice do I really have? God made this happen and made this happen and made this happen. And no matter what I do, God's just going to make whatever He wants happen. And so we have this fatalistic idea that God is like the cosmic micromanager. And therefore, every thought I have, every word I say, every action, everything that happens to me, well, it's just all of God. And I really don't have any choice I'm gonna tell you that that whole fatalistic idea of micromanagement is not biblical. God can be sovereign and give us space for free will. You see, that's how big God is. And so sometimes when we consider God's guidance in our lives, in our goings, and in our path, and our process, Sometimes we lean towards the fatalistic idea of micromanagement that we really have no choice in the matter. And the second is the false idea of mystery. We consider the guidance of God and we we view it as some grand mystery that we can never really uncover. And oh, if I only knew the will of God, then I could do something. And Sometimes we as preachers are guilty of this. Well, don't miss the will of God. Don't do. And we make the will of God this grand mystery. Almost like God has shrouded it with smoke. And he's got the cipher in place. So that even if we discover the map. We have to have a PhD in ciphers and mathematics to to understand. And sometimes, you know, God will lead us to a door. And then be like, look over there. And then hide over here and sneak and see if we'll go. (laughs) That's not how God's will works. That's not how God's guidance works. You know, it was kind of an aha moment for me when I recognized God wants me to understand and follow His guidance more than I want to understand and follow His guidance. I mean, let that sink in. God wants you to understand and follow his guidance for your life more than you want to understand and follow his guidance for his life. And so God's will, God's guidance, God's instructions, the steps and the goings of man that God is laying out, it's not being micromanaged. And it's not a mystery that we can't discover. Let me illustrate it this way. God's guidance in our lives is not so much determined as it is dynamic. Now hear me, thus saith the Lord never changes. And when we have explicit instruction in scripture, that's not up for debate and it's not up for discussion. When the Bible says thou shalt and thou shalt not, it means what it says and it says what it means. And We ought not discuss it, we ought to obey it. But what shirt am I going to wear? What car am I going to buy? Where am I going to live? Where am I going to work? Who am I going to date? Who am I going to marry? Am I going to watch TV? Am I going to read a book? What book am I going to read? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Yeah, we'll read the Bible, but sometimes we read other books. And so God's guidance in our lives, we have to understand, is not so much determined as it is dynamic. The illustration of this, I think, is a great illustration of this is GPS, GPS provides guidance. But when I plug a... I, we, we've traveled a lot for basketball this year. I have no idea where I'm going on any of these back roads or county roads or country roads or whatever the CR means. I don't even know. Um, I don't even know what the speed limits are. I'm like, my GPS doesn't know what the speed limit is. I don't know what the speed limit is. They didn't bother to put signs. Does that mean it's up to my discretion? I don't think so. But... Uh, I, I don't know, so I'm always, yeah, anyways, we won't go there. I'll, I'll pull back from that. So, so I, put, it, I put, put the address in, and my GPS, it'll often give me a couple different options to get there, and it'll tell me this one's the best. And then I'll get going. And you know what happens sometimes, especially at night on those country roads or county roads or whatever the CR means, I don't even know, sometimes they come up pretty fast, them little turns and then little dips and do's, and sometimes I blow right by where I'm supposed to turn. Here's what happens. I look down at my GPS, and my Apple smartphone, my Apple Maps goes, Oh, no, you missed your turn. I don't know what to do anymore. Well, I guess we're just lost forever. You missed my instruction. This is irreparable. I don't know how to fix it. This can't be fixed. I just continue in this direction, and we'll see where you go. That's the message Siri tells me when I miss a turn. Is that what Siri tells you? recalculating and isn't it interesting how quickly that gps can figure out how to get me back on track boy what if we thought about god's will in those terms you know god's guiding me and my goings he he will direct me every step of the way but you know what sometimes in my sinful flesh i make a wrong turn you know, there are some that would look and say, oh, well, I've blown it. I, I mean, it's all over for me. I tried and failed. I, I can never get back on track. Here's the thing. Who's smarter, the Apple iPhone or God Almighty? If the Apple iPhone can get me back on track in next to no time, here's the thing. If we're willing to listen to God, he can get us back on track too. So it's not so much determined, it's dynamic. Here's the other thing about GPS. Man, it gives it to me in real time. Sometimes I'm taking long trips, you know, because with the big old family, we don't fly anywhere together, man. Uh, So we we get in the car and we go. And, uh, you know, sometimes on them long trips, stuff happens. I'll be in Tennessee and there'll be an accident in Alabama and that traffic will get backed way up. You know what my GPS is able to tell me? accident ahead better route detected would you here's the thing if my gps is smart enough to know where the backups are where the construction is where the accidents are taking place and is able to keep me on the best route here's the thing god can do it even better than siri can and you know sometimes i think i know where i'm going and i think i know the route i'm going but i don't see what's ahead right I love the illustration from the Exodus where God led them around the land of the Philistines. Why? Because he knew they weren't ready for that conflict. I mean, it makes sense. A to B. Let's go straight. No, God said go around. And sometimes God, if we're willing to listen... Put that guidance into our lives will help order our steps, our going, our path, our process, even our pacing, because He knows what the best route is. Boy, isn't it good to know God's able to guide me in real time. God's able to guide me in real time. Proverbs 16, in verse number nine, puts it this way A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And you know what? Wherever I find myself today, I can have his guidance for my next step. Some of you, maybe God has brought your pacing to a halt. And you just feel stuck for whatever reason. You're hurt for whatever reason. You're confused for whatever reason. And you don't know what to do. Here's the thing. You can have God's guidance for your next step. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How do I get it, preacher? The Bible says, James 1 and verse number 5, If any man lack wisdom, let him put a poll on Facebook. If any man lacks wisdom, let him... Ask of God. I give it to all men liberally. That means generously. And upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know what? No matter where you are, no matter what path you're on, no matter where you're at in the process, no matter what you feel your pacing is for the moment, if you want guidance for your next step, you can have it. You know, that's good to know, because, man, there's a lot of crazy stuff that comes up in life. You know, I think that's why you look at the beginning of this psalm. Look at verse number 1. How did David start this psalm? What did he say? Fret not. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be thou envious against workers of iniquity. Look at verse number 7. Look what he said. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Look at verse number 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. You know, sometimes we can get all worked up. What's going on? What are we going to do? God said, don't worry. Don't fret. Why? Why? Why can no matter what happens in my life, no matter what I face, no matter what I'm up against, why is it that like David, I can just simply fret not? Because why? Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Isn't it good to know you can have guidance tonight? You might have been saved for one day, one year, ten years, hundred years. You can have guidance tonight. You know what? You might be here. You might not be saved. You can have guidance too. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Isn't it good to know you can have guidance, church? And that God will guide me through it. So as we consider tonight the steps of a good man being ordered by the Lord, number one, we see what, church? We see guidance. Let's say it again. Number one, we see guidance. Let's look at verse 23 again. Would you read it in unison? See, I mentioned in the introduction that it would be a good verse to memorize. But you see, my secret plan is we're going to quote it in unison so much together that by the time you leave tonight, you'll have it memorized anyway. See, there we go. Verse number 23, let's read it in unison together. The Bible says... The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. So not only when I look at this verse, not only do I see guidance, but I also see a guarantee. I see a guarantee. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered. Are ordered by the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you, uh, Dr. John Lands has a lot of great stuff on this word here that that, that I'm using tonight in this and uh, to look at this guarantee that God gives us. Uh, but he's got some beautiful thoughts, and I want to share a few of you, the, a few of those thoughts in my in my uh, message tonight here for set verse point two. The word "ordered" means to prepare to be secure. To be provided. And as we look at this fact that our goings are ordered by the Lord. I really want to draw out some of these shades of meaning that I think are important to note. So as we look at how this word ordered is used in other places in the Old Testament. This Hebrew word. We can see some of the nuances that really brings to light what it means. That our goings, our path, our process, our pacing are ordered by the Lord. So the first one that I want to look at is Ordered in the idea of it means to craft or to prepare. Job 1, 31 in verse number fifteen says this: Did he did not he that made us in the womb make did not he that made us in the womb make him and did not one. Fashion us in the womb. That word fashion there in Job 31 is the same Hebrew word that's found here for the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so we see that nuance that our goings, our path, our process, our pacing, it is fashioned, it is prepared by God. You know what, church? God is not the great clockmaker who winds things up and just lets them run. God is actively managing and fashioning this universe, and that includes fashioning my goings. I love what it says in Psalm 118, verse number 24. It says, this is the day which the Lord has made. He has made it. He has prepared it. He has crafted it. He has gifted it for us. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So God is fashioning. My steps. Not only does ordered have the idea of to, to fashion or to prepare, but ordered also has the idea of to be secure or to be firm. In Joshua 3, in verse number 17, we see another use of this Hebrew word. It says, And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. They stood firm. On dry ground. And that word that we see there. You can go back to the first part of the verse. That they stood firm. Is the same Hebrew word. That we see here. In Psalm 37 and verse 23. That the steps of a good man. They are ordered by the Lord. Or that they are firm. They are secure in the Lord. And it's good to know. That the process. And the promises of God are firm. They are based on His word. But they are based on his faithfulness and not mine. You know, sometimes you get those coupons, you know, void if. You know, if God's promises, if God's power, if God's provision, if God's plan were dependent upon me, I would have voided the terms of that agreement a long time ago. But they're not dependent upon me. God's promises are sure. God's purposes are bigger. God's power is greater. You know, we mentioned over, when we talked about the guidance, that so sometimes we get to the point in life where we want to fret over what's in front of us. And what do we do? Where do we go? What do we say? I don't know how to handle it. You, you ever stop to think that, that you and I never do something that causes God to fret or panic? Oh, no. She did it again. What are we going to do now? Oh, it's all ruined. It's ruined. When does that it Again. Bill's at it again. Drew's at it again. (laughs) Hey, I'm looking forward to Tuesday night, man. Come watch him play ball at 3.30. It'd be a lot of fun. But God never looks at us and goes, Oh, no, they did it again. What am I going to do now? He never does. Why? Because God's plans, God's promises, God's provision, it is firm, it is sure. God's people may fail him, but he doesn't fail his people. We looked at Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his ways. But you notice the very next verse, though he fall, that's speaking of us, not God. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Why? For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. The steps of a good man are firm in the Lord. So they are fashioned by the Lord. They are firm in the Lord. Let me give you one more. The word ordered also has the nuance of to make provision for. Psalm 78 and verse 30, we see another use of this Hebrew word to order. Behold, this is speaking of Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness. Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? That word provide there is actually the same Hebrew word for for ordered. And it has the idea of God's provision that he has prepared, he has secured, and he has provided. And we can find God's favor in God's ways. I'm glad to know God's provision and favor rests on that which he orders, that God will never guide where he does not provide. Even you see the example there of the water and the manna and the flesh that he gave. And as we look at the guarantee that God is fashioning our steps. And that God has made firm our steps. And that God has placed his favor on the steps of a good man. God is faithful to that which he orders. You know, we saw the steps of a good man, verse 23, are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. We saw, verse 24, that though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. But man, look at verse 25. I just love how this psalm just develops this. David said, I have been young. And now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Boy, I see guidance here. God will guide you if you let him. Boy, I see a guarantee here. You know, I love how you can find God's guidance and God's guarantee, you know, even in those parts of our lives that we wouldn't choose to glorify. You know, I think about, as a young man, some of my short-sightedness. I've given these illustrations before. My first interaction with Harvest was not a spiritual interaction. Well, I mean, it was half a spiritual interaction. I I believe the Lord had called me to the ministry, and I wanted a church to serve at for the summer. But there was also a girl who lived in Michigan that I wanted to be close enough to, but not too close to. And so as I looked over the churches looking for an intern, my intentions were not entirely spiritual. That that was my short-sighted young man, you know, Lord bless my schemes, right? And yet God and His guidance brought me here and I got the girl from Michigan (laughs) amen that's right but man even in my immaturity even in my short-sightedness God guided his steps and he worked exactly what he promised to work for me I I think of even in the pain and the difficulty you know I've said it before probably the greatest blessing to my capacity to minister, the greatest thing that God has ever done for me to help me minister to others was give me cancer. It was the two years that I suffered. And I learned to hurt. And I learned what it meant for the church to truly care for one another. I, I'd never seen a church care like that. i had never experienced it. And I got to learn in a very first-hand way what, what real church is supposed to look like and do for one another. I got to learn in a very real way what hurt looks like and feels like and, and where it takes you and what you need and what you and I got to learn in a very real way how faithful God was. When when things looked man, when things looked ugly, God was faithful. And sometimes I felt like it was ashes, but God would sit with me in the ashes. And even in the ashes God God in his grace has formed something so beautiful. I think the greatest gift to my pastorate was my time with cancer. I truly believe that. And you know, sometimes we look at our lives and, you know, sometimes it's things in our past life, sins or strongholds. Sometimes it's relationships that we've lost, opportunities that we've lost, jobs that we've lost, etc., etc. And we can look back and we can see how God has guided and he has worked his guarantee that the steps of a good man are ordered by God. The Lord. And many of you can give testimony today that your capacity to love and to help and to minister is directly tied to God's faithfulness to you in, in times of, uh, of trouble and of trial, in times of growing and immaturity, that God's faithfulness to you has brought you where you are a place where you can minister and serve and love and help. Why? Because the steps of a good man are ordered. By the Lord. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and He delighteth in His way. I, I see first of all guidance. Aren't you grateful for the guidance of God tonight? I see secondly a guarantee. Aren't you grateful for the guarantee God gives as he works in our lives? To fashion that it's firm, that it's favored. But I see finally tonight gratification. I see joy. I see pleasure. Read with me in unison verse 23 at least one more time. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Now I do take that that this is the good man who delighteth in the way that God gives him to walk. You know, we look at this man, David. There's much we can learn about this man. David understood what it meant to walk close to God, to be close to God, and how precious that is. David understood what it meant to sin and fall away, to get in really bad positions of his own doing, and repent, and turn to God, and find that forgiveness and favor once again. David understood what it meant to fight, and to struggle, and to hurt, not by his own fault, but because of others' betrayals, because of others' jealousy, because of others' sin. David understood what that was like, and yet, as David looked back on it his life, he recognized that there is no better life than the Christian life. It just isn't. In Psalm 16, verse 11, we see this. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. You know, you see, when you and I when we are that good man. By the way, the good man is the man who seeks God and submits to God. That's the good man. He's the saved man that seeks God and submits to God. That's the good man. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Hey, if we're not saved, if we're not seeking, and we're not submissive, none of this really applies to you tonight. But the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I'm going to tell you, there's no joy like that of knowing God. There's no joy like that of walking with God. There's no joy like that of serving God. There's no joy like of just being with God. That's why Paul wrote Philippians 4 and verse number 4, Rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Rejoice. The word delighted here means to be pleased, to experience pleasure. It kind of gives you, if I might put it in a, a word picture, some suggest it would be like a dog wagging its tail. I mean, there's just joy. There's just pleasure. There's just fulfillment there. Why? Because there is a peace and purpose that we find in the path that God orders that cannot be found anywhere else. You won't find it doing your own thing. You won't find it in distractions, whether it's entertainment or drinking or drugs. You won't find it in friends. You won't find it in acceptance. You won't find it in money. You won't find it in power. There is a peace and purpose that comes from walking the path that God orders that cannot be found anywhere else. Because when you walk in the path He has ordered, why, you walk with Him. You know, I can hear the skeptics. Well, I don't know. I mean, we can have a good life and, and not like, like be like crazy Christians, right? I mean, this whole like take up your cross and deny yourself and even die to yourself and all those thou shalt nots. And, you know, I mean, we can do probably the best life is trying to have the best of both worlds, right? I, I can hear the, the skeptics and the critics. All I know is that the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. All I know is that I have the testimony of a man, David, here who'd been a lot of places and done a lot of things. And he looked back and he said, there is no life like the Christian life. You know, church, we give the benefit of the doubt to a lot of different things. You know, we give the benefit of the doubt to our friends and the counsel they give, but they don't know. They don't know. We give the benefit of the doubt to our own reason, but our own reason is limited. Our own reason is flawed. We give the benefit of the doubt to our feelings, but our feelings are fickle, aren't they? What I want today is often not what I want tomorrow. We give the benefit of the doubt to our experience and what we think we have experienced in life. But here's the thing about our experience, is incomplete. We give the benefit of the doubt to our perspective, but our perspective is skewed and slanted. You know, we tend to extend a lot of trust and give the benefit of the doubt to a lot of different things that, that we know really aren't that worthy of our trust. Josh and I had the opportunity a couple months to go to Pens- go to Pensacola to do some recruitment, uh, summer internship, all that good stuff. And uh, I told the story a little bit when I got back, but uh, we, I, I, I'm not one to, you know, let a lot of grass grow under me. And so I booked us the flight home uh, that left the airport right about 5 a.m., uh, which means we needed to be at the airport at like. 4 a.m. When, uh, when TSA opened, or like preferably like 3.30, so we could be first in line. Because I'm just like that kind of person. I'll, I'll, we'll fly out at 5 a.m., we'll, we'll get Detroit at noon, I'll be back in the office by 1. It's perfect, I can still get a half day of work in, amen? Amen. And so I realized that, uh, man, both my brothers were very ill. I no longer had a ride to the airport at 3.30 in the morning. So I said, Josh, you need to get us an Uber or something. Now, neither one of us had ever done an Uber before. He's like, how do I get an Uber at 3.30 in the morning? I said, I don't know. But I bet if you start looking, I bet you can figure it out. So it's, that, it's the afternoon before, and he's looking, and this company wants this much money, and this company wants this much money, and yada, yada, yada. Eventually, we booked some sort of ride share. They were going to pick us up at 3 a.m., and we had it all set. Until we woke up at 2 o'clock the next morning, and we get the message from the ride share. Something was wrong with your payment method. Ride has been canceled. How am I supposed to get to the airport? It's 3 o'clock. I'm not walking at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm not doing it. I wouldn't do it in Clyde, much less Pensacola. I'm like, Josh, we got to figure something out, man. He's like, what do we do? I'm like, I don't know. And so Josh got on, he got on several different ride shares, and eventually he found one that said, your ride will be here in 15 minutes. It's like, all right, all right, we got a ride, we're good. And so we're standing outside the hotel, waiting for this random person to show up so we can get in the back of their car at 3 o'clock in the morning. So about 3 o'clock in the morning, Susan pulled up. Susan said, you Josh? I said, well, he's Josh, but I'm with him. She goes, all right, get in. And it dawned on me in that moment that I was basically like disobeying everything my mother had told me in regards to stranger danger. Like, don't talk to them. Don't get in unknown vehicles. And it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, sure, why not? And so I'm throwing my suitcase in the back. She's telling me I look like her favorite country singer. I hope that's a good thing, and she's not going to, like, kidnap us. But uh, we're on the road, right? And I'm like, all right, Josh, here we go, man. We were both a wee bit nervous. But guess what? We got to the airport. We tipped Susan nicely. We really did. But I thought, man, here I am at three o'clock in the morning, getting in a car with somebody. Getting in the car with Susan. I don't know Susan. Susan doesn't know me. And I'm trusting her to get me to the airport. And she's trusting me too, that's true. I'm a shady looking character. Amen to that. But I look like her favorite country singer, so so I just kind of kept the conversation moving, man. Keep it light, you know. Since I'm from the South, I kind of ease back in the old little twang. I wanted her to feel comfortable and at home, like we're all getting to the same place, safe and sound. So, so yeah, we kind of we kind of ease back into the old Southern twang. But uh, I thought about last night or yesterday morning, actually. Uh, Dave Dave Wyrick mentioned that we had the opportunity to take our ball teams out to in Bay. Uh, to play their basketball teams uh, yesterday morning and so we're, we, we arrive at that airport there at like seven o'clock in the morning and uh, eventually like this guy just comes walking in the door he goes all right I need five I'm like of us he goes yeah five of you ball team let's go I'm like, oh, one, two, three, four, five, let's go. And we go out there, and there's this single-engine prop plane. And I've never been up in one of them single-engine doodads before. I do the big ones, right? I've never done the single-engine. We get up there, and, like, I know we're going straight, but it feels like we're going side to side. And I'm like, we're not supposed to be going this way. It felt like we hydroplaned all the way to put in bay. It was phenomenal. I'm real tall, so there's not a lot of clearance. So every time we hit an air pocket, it was like, bang. And, like, I was a little nervous. The kids were a little nervous. One of the kids looked at me at the end. And they go, whew. You know, honestly, you know, coach, that, that wasn't too bad. I, I think I could do it again. And I said, that's good, because in three hours, you have to do it again. <laughs> but I thought to myself, I'd never met that pilot before. I didn't ask his name. I didn't ask to see his credentials. I never once saw that he had a pilot's license. He said, I need five. So I said, okay. And I got in the plane. Isn't it amazing? What we extend our trust to. You know, I wonder what would happen if we just decided we're going to give God the benefit of the doubt. I don't always understand it and I don't always like it. But man, you know what? God's worthy of my trust. God is worthy of my trust. So, you know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because, man, the Bible teaches, and I have come to know, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his word.